right. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Matt Benini from RSI, and I am really, really excited uh, today because uh, when we were kicking around the ideas for uh, this month's podcast, uh, we decided that we wanted to do client success stories, and uh, and the lobbying began shortly after uh, well, we put the word out for everybody. So we wanted to kick off the year by cel- celebrating, as I said, our client successes, um, the operational trainers came back to me and we were looking for clients that had worked hard all year long. They were striving each day to achieve progress and not necessarily perfection regarding their goals. So we weren't looking for people who just made the most amount of money, right? We were looking for people who had a goal, worked on their goal all year long and, and really made some progress on it. Um, the, the clients, they exemplified our core principles of taking ownership and accountability over their businesses. They consistently made effective decisions that benefited their guests, their team members, and ultimately the bottom line. Shortly after the word went out to the RSI team, as I said before, the lobbying began. Um, client success stories ranging from Michigan to Austin came rolling in. Charleston to Chi-Town and Seattle to San, uh, San Jose were being slammed into my inbox. Um, each one had its own clickbait of a title. Matt, you've got to read this. This is the one. These guys kick butt. Right? The training team recounted some absolutely amazing, amazing stories for me and demonstrations of countless ways that our hard work and clients are reacting and actually reacting to situations that either came to them from the city, state, or federal regulations, or they created some amazing culinary dishes. They contributed to their local communities. Um, they provided internships for tomorrow's operators. Right? They reinvented themselves, and ultimately, they just found new ways to make a buck in the business. Well, as the client stories came in, um, I kept looking up, and I saw Dave Downs, one of, our, one of our trainers. He kept circling my office like I owed him money for a bet. Right? Now, personally speaking, I knew better because anyone who's gambled with Dave doesn't lose to Dave. Right? <laughs> no, what he really wanted to do is he wanted to make sure that he hit me up personally regarding one of his clients, uh, Blue Rock Barbecue in San Jose. And I am extremely pleased to be sitting here with Marie and Owen Jobson. And uh, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, well, really dude, thank you so much for um, allowing us to, um, to talk about our partnership with RSI. And the only regret we had was you all were introduced to us probably three, four years before we actually signed on. And at that point, we were just deer, still deer in headlights and we should have we should have done it then, but we're, we're here now. So we're excited. Well, I appreciate that. And you know what they always say, it's better late than never. And, uh, you know, and the fact that, uh, that, you know, you've been in business now for, uh, we, we, we've turned eight years and, and now this is, this is going to be your ninth year in business. We'll actually, we'll be eight on June 30th. Oh, eight on June 30th. Okay, great. So, uh, eight on, I mean, you made it eight years. I mean, congratulations, sir. I mean, first and foremost, you know. Thank I mean, you. Woohoo! And uh, you know, so I mean, that's it's it's tremendous. Now, let's just like any story, we absolutely have to start with the background. You know, most operators get into this business for a variety of reasons, and I never find the backstories boring, right? So, you know, what led you to open up the, your own restaurant? We, um, we, so we grew up in Tennessee. Uh, Marie and I were in the same homeroom in, in Knoxville. Um, grew up around barbecue, uh, Buddy's Barbecue, Calhoun, some really good restaurants around East Tennessee. 
Um, we had, thought about opening a business after grad school. We went to grad school in upstate New York, and we're looking at different types of businesses. At that point, didn't you know, latch on to barbecue. Ended up coming to California to work for United Airlines in operations and then Cisco Systems and finance. But while at Cisco, I was I was still beat my head against the wall trying to decide, you know, what, what kind of business might we open and had a kind of a realization here in San Jose there wasn't a whole lot of barbecue. I called my father and, and talked to him about it a little bit. And then we called the owner of, of Buddy's Barbecue back in Knoxville and asked him if we could do a franchise of Buddy's Barbecue, and, and he said no. They had tried it before, and it didn't work out really well, but he'd be helpful, and that was the start. And uh, the owner of Buddy's Barbecue um, helped me get, you know, taught me how they handle pulled pork. Um, we had a couple barbecue restaurants in East Tennessee, teaches different techniques. Um, so we went to school in Atlanta. A uh, restaurant down there gave us some side recipes, and my grandmother from West Virginia gave us some dessert recipes. So it was over the course of about five years uh, working at Cisco in finance, which is a type of job that already takes 110% of your time. Um, and we put down Cisco at 8 or 9 o'clock at night and then start working on whatever we were going to call it, but the, the business plan for what became Blue Rock Barbecue. And that took about five years, and we finally um, you know, decided to open it and you know, left Cisco. And it took about a year to build it, but we opened ultimately on, on June 30th of 2008 and had a lot of help in the process getting it off the ground. Yeah, it truly does take a village, doesn't it? <laughs> and one other small thing that I want to say about kind of the heart of Blue Rock was coming from the South, you know, barbecue is always just so important, or food is so important in, in getting together. And as Owen's mom, who was a mom to me too, had passed away. And they're great Southern women who are amazing cooks. Really just kind of put a stamp in terms of why, you know, there was that, that why the heart was in, in starting this. I mean, we really wanted to bring here to California that sense of community and, and that service. And, and it was going to be through food. So that just kind of fueled the fire into creating Blue Rock. I love your motto, uh, the barbecue without borders. Um, I, I thought that, especially with barbecue, where there is just, you know, it's, it's, it's almost political, the debate between, you know, a Kansas City or a Tennessee or, you know, the, the different styles of barbecue that's out there. I loved, I just loved the way you went with it. You know, it was just like, look, this is barbecue and we don't, you know, the, the, it, it, it just, the great barbecue traditions aren't just limited to the South. And I thought, what a great way to take a novice individual to barbecue and really educate them on, hey, by the way, we're going to give you some great food and it happens to be barbecue. Right. And, and so I love, I, I, I applaud you. I thought that that was incredibly creative. What a, what a fantastic way to do that. We're really happy with it. We, we, um, we actually even have that federally registered as a trademark and, um, we, you know, we believe it or not, we've got so many irons in the fire. I missed the re-registration about seven months ago, and we were about to lose it. And I had to go back <laughs> through the gauntlet of the USPTO website and resubmit. So I've now I'm looking at this piece of paper about two feet from me. That's the the registration of barbecue without borders. But we were trying to part of the reason for that motto. We were trying to leave license open geographically to do different styles, and and the and the desire to do that was led in part by uh, interest in frequency with barbecue. Stereotypically people might visit a barbecue restaurant once or twice a month, 
but we thought, you know, if we can mix it up and, and you know, broaden it to be not just Southern or even American barbecue, that we might get to see people more often. And it works really well. I mean, you, if you come into the restaurant, you can order, you know, pulled pork sandwich with coleslaw on top and baked beans and that, and be perfectly happy. But you can also order, you know, a rack of ribs and add a side of like a Thai chicken skewer or Indonesian beef skewer. We have Cuban sandwiches. And um, it, it's fun. People enjoy it. It's novel and it's flexible and, and it's definitely working so far. Oh, well, that's fantastic. And I love the logic behind it. Um, I do have one suggestion, though. There's, uh, it's really cool. They're on your phones and your computers. They're called reminders. You might want to set one before that thing expires again. And uh, so you don't have to go through it the next time. <laughs> that was stressful. Okay, okay. How much is it? Write that check. Write that check. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. So let me ask you a question. Okay, so we, you know, we've, we've established the fact that that when you opened, either you had a lot of help. I mean, hats off to Buddy's Barbecue too for, uh, you know, that's uh, that camaraderie in the business. That's that's not seen every day. So I mean, uh, huge huge shout out to uh, Buddy's Barbecue as well. But you know, what do you think if you had to look back? What do you feel that your top challenges were in getting the restaurant open? You know, you, 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 know, you obviously got it open, but if you had to sit there and stack rank the, the issues that, that surrounded you, what would you, what would you say would be some of your top challenges? Very specific challenges, the actual construction. And we have a very good friend who helped us build the restaurant and he did a brilliant job, but just kind of our local approval process, you know, we would finish an approval, we would build something and then have it unapproved in the field and have to reconstruct. So, you know, that took great resilience, just kind of keeping forging forward, pushing forward through inspections. And um, so that's kind of a very specific response. And it was the, the hood that we built, we had approved and then disapproved. In a broader sense, though, I would just say the sheer volume of new the things that were new to us. We've never run a restaurant before, so pick a topic, whether it's the construction, who to buy the food from, what to call it, how to staff it, how to schedule the people that are staffing it, um, hours to be open, um, how to handle the accounting, the bookkeeping. Um, I mean, Vendor there's just, relationships. There's the yeah. Sheer, yeah. sheer volume, and it, there's just so many different topics, and that's where the kind of the, the point of the village. I mean, we would turn and ask friends and family and anyone that would help us, you know, how do you do this, how do you do that, and we're supported so heavily, but I would say, you know, the two-part response. One, I, I still have scars from kind of going through the inspection process, but in a broader sense, just just the number of different topics. And I kind of, when I look at other restaurants opening up, I now see kind of why people have maybe a group that goes in, you know, often a group that's done it before. But we were absolute novices, so you know, there's a lot of very, very new topics to us. And if you don't, you know, stay hydrated and sleep a lot, you know, it can grind you down. So you have to be resilient. You know, it's, you know, it's, fun. it's funny. You bring, the, you bring up a couple of points, and one very important one is, uh, you know, they always say that the best weight loss program is open up a restaurant, and uh, you, you know, because you just don't, you don't sleep, you don't eat, and it's uh, it's somewhat never ending. Um, I, from working with our client, our clients, uh, they will tell you time and time again that the inspection process is absolutely the most brutal part of it. And, and I think that what it comes down to, it's not intentionally brutal, but you, I almost wish that there was a division in, you know, whether it's nationally or cities or what have you that, that dealt with restaurants specifically so that they could be more in tune with what we need for different types of culinary businesses. You said it. You said that you, you know, your hood was approved and then it was unapproved. I mean, the hood is one of the most expensive items in, a, in, in the business. And it's also one of the most critical. So if it's unapproved, 
the change order is not cheap. And, and so I agree with you. I mean, the amount of frustration, not to mention the capital expense for change orders when you're on a limited budget is, is, is always, um, um, it's almost massive. I've, I've watched it, quite frankly, stall out deals to six, seven months, and then the restaurant's open with no cash flow because they, they, they just don't have any capital left over to do the business. So I, I can absolutely relate to what you're saying. Um, let me ask you, so the first year of business, you, you, you get open, you get the thing open. Um, you know, how would you describe the first year of business? Was it like uh, Bill Murray's uh, Groundhog Day where you just woke up and it was the same madness every day? It was. And you know what? You had to open. You had to be open by 11 o'clock every single day. It was, we were really, we were deer in headlights for, I think, the first two years of operation. And, and we do make almost everything from scratch. So getting open by 11, you know, we get there by, you know, 6, 6.30 in the morning and start and go as fast as we can. And, on you know, the, the first few weeks, we actually had a huge volumes, tons of people coming to check it out. And, and we were really excited about it. Um, just an asterisk, we really didn't know what was going on from an accounting perspective. We saw tons of cash coming in and we're stoked. But then, you know, a while later, the bills started going, you know, we started paying the bills and, um it, it was a very rough first six months. We opened right before the uh, the clarity of this magnitude of the recession was obvious, and and then the recession started to grind on us. And and what I'd heard is, you know, when you open a restaurant, you do see a big surge. That's pretty typical. And then you sort of see a drop off in business. And then if they liked it, they'll come back. So there's sort of a natural S curve. We opened during the summer when seasonally we always experience a big bump in barbecue. So there were two reasons we had a very strong summer. Um, but then as we sort of went into December, January, February, you know, we um, the recession was you know, fully in place and we were in our t- seasonally slow months. So from a cash flow perspective, we were dragging along the bottom and it was it was honestly terrifying. And, and you mentioned the weight loss program, you know, a cold sort of came through the workplace where people were getting sore throats. I was working. I clocked a couple weeks over 120 hours. So it was, you know, three hours of sleep. And Marie ended up taking me to the hospital with a chest pneumonia. pain. And I had, I, they told me, uh, they asked me, did you realize you may have lung cancer? And then um, <laughs> after some more, <laughs> more tests, they said, wait a minute, it's just really bad pneumonia. So we called, um, my, I guess they, someone called our, my dad. And my dad asked my neighbor who had just been laid off from Applebee's back in Knoxville, hey, can you go help? So he and his wife flew out here for two weeks, dropped everything and came in for two weeks with Marie, ran the restaurant, and kept us afloat through that. So oh my, uh, oh that, it was it was beyond brutal the first first year or two. And and then we started, you know, started getting smarter. We um, we brought on a good bookkeeper, went to QuickBooks and from an accounting perspective, started to get our legs under us a little bit better. Um, and then the recession started to lighten up. So we sort of got through it, but we got through it with, you know, Superman flying in from Tennessee and you know, a lot of people pitching in and friends were even coming in and helping expedite our Friday nights and just to get us through the, my, my sister's a lawyer. She, you know, she would not be a lawyer and come in and be a dishwasher and help us, you know, wash dishes. You know, it was from all directions that first year. So, you know, it's interesting. I see a general theme here and that is that it, it, it does really take that village and it did. And you, and fortunately for you, you had a deep network so you could work with, uh, you, you, you could reach out to people that, that you needed. Uh, to in a, in a pinch, you know, there's uh, going back to, uh, to something that you said, and I want to, for everybody listening, um, that it is, it is not a myth. It is a very real phenomena. When you open your restaurant, you will, I don't know what it is in all of us, no matter how smart you are and how organized you are, you will think that you hit lotto the minute you start looking at your bank account. 
you will immediately go, oh my God, all this money's coming in and this is going to be fantastic. And da da da. And then 90 days hit. And we call it the 90 day crush. And 90 days is when every side deal that you've ever made to anybody comes due. And they do. They come, they come. It's almost like they coordinate at a Starbucks down the street and then they all walk over at the same time and ask you for all the money that you owe them. Right. And not to mention, you got this little thing called the Department of Revenue that they, they, that's like a reoccurring bad dream. Absolutely. So, you know, and, uh, you know, and then quarterly taxes and it's and, and it is it's overwhelming. And I see that for brand new restaurant operators, the number one thing that they do not prepare for is they do they do not prepare for a budget that takes into account both capitalized and operational expenses. Right, they don't do a break even, and they don't do a budget, and those are the two biggest items that we at RSI will make sure that individuals have, especially if we're fortunate enough to to work with individuals before they open, um, because nobody opens with enough cash. I have never seen it on their first restaurant for independents who haven't been in the business. Do they open with enough cash in the bank? It never happens, and uh, so that's uh, that's a little tidbit for everybody playing the home game. And so. that was, you know, one of the things that somebody mentioned to me a couple of years back was really, it was that fear of like, I would say to Owen, Owen, are we, are we going to make it? Are we going to, you know, and the, 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 his persistence and his tenacity is like, yes, we will. That was the only answer. Yes, we will make it. But, you know, in terms of paying those bills, when I looked at it, Somebody said, well, you know, it's just all about cash flows. That kind of mentally, okay, we, we can do this. We have to just learn how to manage it. But it was, it was tough. It yeah. was definitely tough for sure. You know, having that discipline and, you know, and, 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 this is, and this is really why you're here, you know, because you, you learn those lessons in the first year. You made intelligent decisions. You kept, you know, and, and I'm sure I'm saying you kept your cool and you're probably looking at each other going, well, he doesn't know about this story. <laughs> um, because like we were talking about earlier, Marie, you can talk to your spouse and your family in a restaurant like you would never talk to an employee. Isn't that right? That's right. Oh, yeah. I definitely, I, I look at that. I look at my phone and see Owen and I, you know, it's like, oh God, I, I need to brace myself here. Yeah. But I mean, hats off to you. Here you are, here you are, you know, years later and, you know, so let's talk about the work-life balance. You know, I, you've, you've, you've got four kids, you're working in the business, you know, how are, you know, how are you doing it right now? How has that work-life balance changed over the years for you both? We're, our our work life balance is is really coming into its own in the last I would say eighteen months. Um, yeah, we, yeah. we we have um, a couple of folks that have keys and alarm codes that can open and close and that are very trustworthy and responsible. So I mean, having the right people is probably you know ninety percent of it. People that we can trust, um, and we've certainly got systems in place with respect to how we run the restaurant, how we order food, how we how we manage it, how all the prep work, and. Um, so we we do have balance. We have two kids off in college now, and two at home, and and you know, life is definitely settling down. I'm home at night. I'm home in the morning. Um, I still do a lot of the catering, you know, myself, but um, or deliveries. But it's it's much better now, and it's a result of a number of factors. But you know, part of it is just having the money to be able to hire the people to help open and close. And we are doing so much better financially in the last year. 
Um, that's afforded us the option to to strengthen our operation and, and hire you know all the right people. I, I do have to put one plug in for Owen in terms of, and what we talked about this before, Matt was it is you know the the relationships that you have and with our staff. I said a lot of the times there's other things that, that um, incentivizes them or just gets them going. And it's not necessarily about money. I mean, even though we didn't have a lot of capital sometimes, Owen, you know, um, particularly would be really good. Hey, you're in a pinch calling to take time off. He would, you know, he had no problem with that. I mean, there wasn't like, okay, you're fired if you keep doing this. It was really critical for us to take care of our staff, you know, however we can, in whatever way, um, whether it's, you know, having breakfast with them in the morning before, you know, shift starts, you know, um, and just they really appreciated that and has, you know, in turn, we developed really good trusting relationships um, with them. And it, you know, it's, we're, we're thankful because it has allowed us a lot of freedom to be at home. We, we take good care of the staff. They take good care of us. We, I feel like the staff is the key. Um, I think the processes that we've got in place are getting much better. And we talk about process a lot. And, you know, in, in particular with respect to how we prep food. Um, but we've got a group that appreciates that we like to grow the operation. We hope to open more restaurants and, you know, they're excited about it. I think they're as excited as we are. They, they recognize that there's opportunity for them to grow with us. So it's, um, you know, having the right staff, the right processes in place. Um, I, my, my past history in finance at Cisco and also I used to work in operations at United Airlines has been very helpful. But we were constantly talking about how you know, we can run the restaurant more efficiently. We even took a class from uh, called Lean Manufacturing for Quick Service Restaurants from Powell Sudden Service back in East Tennessee. They won the... Malcolm Baldridge Quality Award, and, and as such, they have kind of like a little learning institute, and we went back and took that lean manufacturing class. So it, you know, a big part of that is constantly reviewing your processes and making sure you're as efficient as, as possible. So we have that as kind of part of our core culture and a group of people that are good problem solvers, and that's a good combination. It, it, it absolutely is. And, and you know, you, you, I'm, I'm writing down how many times you're bringing other people into your dream. How many times that your success is also um, intertwined with whether it's your staff or whether with other, you know, key purveyors in the, in the industry. But, you know, I want everybody to understand that without having these relationships, and I mean relationships on all fronts, there is no way, forget growth, there's no way for survival. It just, the system is not set up for you both to do it without everyone else. And, and that's why I'm so proud of you. I mean, it's, Marie, we were joking earlier that, you know, you're somewhat of a unicorn in our business. You're married, <laughs> you have kids, and you have a successful business. And successful, not because you've made all the money that you can make, but because you're afforded the opportunity now to be proactive about what you're working on. Owen, whether it's processes or whether it's staff and employee development, you know, you're at that point in your business now where you're in front of it where you're going to wake up and it's going to be your agenda and not somebody else's agenda coming to you. So, you know, a, a wise person once told me that, you know, you're going to build your business to the level that you're comfortable with. And that's, you know, I, I applaud you so much for, for having the opportunity to get there. Um, let me ask you a question. 
you know, in 2015, what were some of the ways the, that you improved your financial awareness of your business? You know, you said that you're doing, you know, last 18 months you've really improved. You're now working on some of the catering. So what were the ways that, that, that you improved your financial awareness? Um, I mean, very simply, it, it was coming to RSI. We, we had a kind of a financial process in place. You know, we were paying taxes. We had P&L uh, statements. But, um, you know, we had a very expensive solution to it. Um, we had a good bookkeeper, uh, very well-intentioned. Um, we were using QuickBooks. It was just that the, what we were paying for that and what we were getting from it, it was, it was expensive for us, for an operation our size. And we weren't getting the regular visibility into profitability, how we were performing financially. And um, when we switched uh, to RSI, I mean, we, we kind of were coming in on fumes, to be honest with you. We were we had hit a couple rough patches. And um, then the transition once complete, and, and the transition team made it very easy. Um, you know, we, we have now weekly visibility into profitability at a very granular level and where we are in accordance with our budget, where we may be off track. So it's a, we have a faster reaction capability if things are going uh, maybe not quite the way we want. And um, so I would say visibility to financial performance. And, you know, we went from dragging a big boat, um, you know, a lot of debt coming into that year um, to having paid off all of our debt last year. And even we bought a new smoker, bought a new oven, fixed up another oven, um, we gave raises to people. So, I mean, it was a 180-degree turnaround last year. And um, we still haven't done all that we want to with RSI. We were getting our weekly P&L statements, and, and that's that's wonderful, the balance sheet, cash flow, a lot of great reporting. But one of the things we're looking forward to going forward is the, the granular you know, costing for each menu item and, and profitability at an even more detailed level. And so that's something we're excited about working on this year. But I mean, it was, we came in, you know, started working with Dave Downs on, on fumes, and it was, it was um, a, a great transition for us. And, and you know, it, it's a very cyclical business, and I would say, you know, there, there are times when you make hay, and then times when you may have a rainy day, and we had sort of two rough years. One, the, a couple, three years ago, Marie went through um, bad sickness, and so my labor cost, we sort of deliberately let rise while I wasn't there as much. And um, so that, that, you know, the hurt us financially and then right when she was finishing up her, her treatments we then saw beef and pork prices go through the roof right, so right. we had uh, the drought driving beef way up there was a, a baby pig virus driving pork prices up so it was sort of like wait a minute we never got to you know patch up our balance sheet so we went into another rough year and that's when we finally you know it's like we were on our deathbed we, let's what was the R, you know rsi we talked to somebody about that and um we called in and then sort of began the transition but but the visibility we have in our financial performance is fantastic and and my time at Cisco, I was a controller and sort of was accustomed to having a lot of that information and was sort of flying somewhat without it or when we would get it, we would pay a lot for it. Um, well, so. I, I appreciate that. I mean, I obviously, you know, uh, it, it's, it's nice to be part of your, part of your success in, in that regard. I, you know, and, and, and I, I think that's fantastic, but you know, Dave also gave me a couple things that, that you incorporated into your business to drive your sales this year. Um, what were some of the key factors that you, I mean, you're, you're, you're up looking at, looking at your year over year trends, yeah. you're up 12.88%. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, we were really in tune and kind of going back to who we're serving was in this area was a lot of families, um, you know, dual income families. They don't have a lot of time. Um, DoorDash came into play where they really wanted convenience. They wanted to pay for convenience 
we incorporated DoorDash at the beginning of January of um, 2015, and looking to what revenues of we we I, I, we did over a hundred thousand uh, dollars worth of delivery business last year, and that was you know brand new to us beginning a year ago um, this this January. And you know our brand, we have kind of three pillars to the kind of the Blue Rock brand, and part of it is you know we want to have the best barbecue in town. That's the the first part. The second. You know, we're trying to offer great value. And the third is ease of use. We're trying to be very easy to use. And, and brands that we refer when we think about ease of use include like Apple Computer and Chipotle. You know, we really are trying to keep it very clean. Um, and if we think about ease of use here in Silicon Valley, and what Marie mentions is very relevant. There are a lot of two-income households. They've got no time, but they do have the money. Um, and they've got kids at home. They're busy. So the ordering out is a, a huge deal. The, the delivery component of that's a big deal. So we started you know, working with DoorDash, and that has been fantastic. And I, we, we know there are other delivery services in other parts of the country and even in this area, but we, you know, they, that's been very helpful to us specifically. And, um, and we also did do a little bit of a price increase last year. We um, experienced lower um, protein prices. Beef and pork kind of came back into to line. And um, so you know, I would say the increased volume coming from delivery – and um, increased uh, revenue coming from an increase in prices. Uh, the market did not react negatively to that. And, um, and then a, a kind of fortuitous drop back in protein prices. We had a, had a very solid year. And, um, and then you know, that coupled with you know, the, the visibility into that on an ongoing basis, on a weekly basis, really allowed us to make some decisions during the year with respect to capital outlays um, to further strengthen the business. Well, that's fantastic. I, and you know, and I, I, I think that looking outside the four walls to try to increase pricing or to try to increase revenues is something that people still kind of shy away from. You know, it wasn't part of my original plan. It wasn't part. You know, I don't know how I'm going to execute it. And you know, how? Let me ask you a question. How has some of the delivery and the catering? How has your how has your staff uh, grown accustomed to that? How have they cottoned up to the to to that being part of the business model? Um. The, the delivery component is very is very easy. We actually have, um, I mean, the way DoorDash works is we get a phone call. It's an automated phone call, and, and it'll tell us, you know, you need to go check your fax machine. We go check the fax machine. We pick up the fax. We put enter that into the point-of-sale system, and it all flows very smoothly. The staff really doesn't, the cashiers have to, you know, complete the entry part of it, but it's, it's, it's pretty seamless. With respect to the catering, catering is a is a it's an ongoing, very quickly growing part of our business, and that that part is is somewhat heroic in respect that um we have um or it may require some heroics on behalf of the staff because some of the parties that we serve can be three, four, five, six hundred people, and we have a five hundred square foot kitchen. So there are days when we don't start at 6 in the morning, but we might start at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning. And so that's where we all, you know, sort of have to dig in deep and, you know, and, um, and, we, and they all appreciate the fact that that's how we get paid. I mean, without the you know, revenue, we don't have the ability to, to, to pay what we do. But, um, you know, it's, it's def- they've reacted uh, with great support. Um, with that said, you know, that we try to make sure we're very flexible when they need time off, um, that we uh, offer time off. Um, as well, but it's the, the the delivery component very simple. The catering part very predictable, but requiring heavy lifting on behalf of our staff. But they have reacted well to it. Yeah, the 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 whole thing about catering doesn't matter whether it's two people or two hundred people. You always go through the same amount of effort uh, to to get the product out. So I, uh, I I can absolutely respect where you're coming from. Well, let's let's turn forward. All right, You've, you know. 
We've you, we've got we've got good work life balance. You've got good financial systems in play. You've uh, you're, you've got uh, team members now getting involved in the business. And you know, what do you hope is the greatest accomplishment that 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 you can achieve for 2016? What's what's on, what's on the docket? Restaurant two. Yes, that's what I want to hear. The American dream. If I got one, give me another. Yeah, we we do. I mean, we have have, have big plans. We would like to grow. Uh, we open a second one this year. I, I I don't know that we'll get there, but it's certainly in our intermediate term plans. The um, this year specifically, with respect to financial visibility, we mentioned that we would like to you know, have greater product level um, visibility and a profitability. Um, we would like to certainly grow. We've grown revenue every year. We'd like to grow again this year, and if we can have another double-digit growth year, that would be good. Um, we would like to be able to put away more towards um, towards opening the second restaurant. Um, so let me so ask you the question this way: So, if we want to work on the second, second restaurant, restaurant, how is your team? How are the, how are, how are the how people are that work the, with you? How are they going to help you out? Well, we're trying to, I mean, the fact of the process, part of it, we're trying to make it so that I don't need to be there as much and they're more self-sufficient. Um, and, you know, even today before we came on the, this uh, call with you, you know, we, we just were about to complete the transition to our main, our kitchen lead. He's ordering all of the supplies now. And, you know, I've been doing that forever. And that's, you know, something we've just started and, and very happy about that. So he's sort of growing and increasing his responsibility. You know, we need to still hand him um, labor scheduling and a few other parts of the process, but just continuing to hand off um, greater and greater responsibility as we train our staff um, to, to take on those responsibilities. Um, you know, that, that's a big part of it. You know, we, we need, uh, I need to work on the budget for this year and we need to build a, a piece of it that is, you know, uh, sort of like an internal capital campaign where we're raising uh, funds to open a second one. Um, beyond that, you know, it's, we did a, a very nice business plan before we opened the first restaurant. We, I need to dust that off and, and work on it for the next, not just for the next year, but that needs to be embedded in the next several year plan. Right, uh, right. Because our, our intention is not to sort of just go out and, you know, replicate exactly, I mean, exactly what we're doing. Uh, as with, you know, I'm sure you know other restaurants doing a commissary with barbecue. It, it, our concept is particularly well suited to a commissary, which we do think will give us some greater operating leverage where, where we can have, you know, a central kitchen that does all the mac and cheese and pecan pie and you know still in each individual restaurant you know smoke the ribs and the chicken um but there's a piece of that you know when ultimately in place you know one commissary and you know four restaurants um then our margins look much better we're able to drive operational consistency we're able to drive consistency and product quality um but to get from here to there there's still a little bit of an open question you know is it better to go open a second restaurant now and have that revenue stream absent a real commissary and sort of fake our way through that with all the operational risks that come with that or go open the commissary if we had you know if we had won that powerball you know go open the commissary <laughs> and have that running and um and then bring up you know the third um, bring up a second restaurant and that would be the ideal but we're the trick here is we're trying to figure out how to capitalize growth and it, as of yet, we're not really interested in dilution or great leverage. So then, that, you know, there's either magic or, you know, in, internal bootstrapping. And so there's a piece of it where we're, you know, trying to drive up profitability this year, say, you know, perhaps, you know, introduce a little bit of leverage and open up, you know, either a, a second revenue stream and another restaurant that is very similar to what we've got now or a commissary. But that's, there's some planning clearly, clearly that has to happen. We, with four kids, can't afford to miss a beat. We, you know, this is where. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. by the way, there's four kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
there's there's four children that need to get fed. And so, so Marie, let me ask you a question. All right. So we've got the, the world of high finance is going on, and I and I get it. And and Owen, you trust me. In the last five minutes, you you detailed a greater plan than eighty percent of the individuals that I know that go from one restaurant to two. So hats off to you because that was the most organized thought that, like I said, I've heard in a long time. So you get the gold star for the day on that one. Marie, I'm going to turn it over to you. How, how are you from a human resource perspective? What are the things that are most important for you in moving from one to two? Identifying key people that are going to help us grow and, and having them really understand the reasonings of, of, why we exist to begin with and, and kind of sharing that and hopefully them, you know, being, being fed into that same, you know, fire of why we want to serve, you know, it's, that's going to be really key. How do you get them to love Blue Rock and, and, um, and our model and our purpose of why we opened up this restaurant? That's, that's going to be, um, a next juncture for us, identifying key people who will be able to run the restaurant without us and have the same passion and um, fine tuning that we do and, and caring about the place like we do. Absolutely. I think it's going to be hard. I mean, it's going to be a challenge. It, you know, it's going to be a challenge, but it's, you know, the, you've, you both have got such wonderful, wonderful attitudes about the business, your passion for the business, you've, you know, between your, your, you know, between Owen's ability to understand the finances and how to relate the finances to the human resource side for you, Marie, and, and, and be able to, like we said before, teach and inspire daily for long-term impact. You've got such a great combination. I mean, there's, as I've said before, you know, somebody's out there doing it every day. So what's the difference between people doing it successfully and people doing it not successfully is a, you can't do it by yourself. You've already learned that. You've learned that over the last couple of years. B, you can't do it if you don't have a work-life balance. Unfortunately, it took hospital visits, and I'm not <laughs> saying that lightly, uh, to, you know, for you to learn that lesson. So you've been through a lot of the, you know, you definitely got your stripes for, for, uh, for the battle. Um, Matt, I, one you, of the things that I want to, one of the greatest things that um, happened this past year is the ability of Owen, you know, we're, we're a little lucky. We, we live 25 minutes tops from um, a great, great beaches. Granted, it's a little cold. Right. But, um, you know, he'll call me up and say, hey, do you mind if I um, go surfing today? He just picked up surfing. Nice. Yeah, it's so cool. And, and I'm like, go for it. Go for it. And, I mean, the complete turnaround from six, seven years ago where – that was, you know, that was not even the realm to, you know, the ability for him to have that comfort level to, to take that time and to really refresh. And, and we have not, um, we've not done a lot of, um, family vacations or even, you know, any length of time for a really long time for, but for him to be able to do that, I think was such, is such a great accomplishment. Um, because it, it, it really renews him um, in terms of being able to do that. 
Well, I think that's tremendous on both your parts because there's so many times where people, even when you get to that, that whatever metaphor we want to use, you get to that part of the mountain where you have to look around and survey before you climb again. A lot of people miss that lookout point. So I think for both of you to have the opportunity to know that this is the time where we enjoy ourselves before we dig in again and use the lessons that we've learned in the last eight years to go forward. I mean, I applaud you for sure. I, I really do. I, uh, the only disappointment that I have with our call today is that I'm going to be forced to go back to Dave Downs and actually acknowledge that he was 100% right about why he, 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 he felt that you were such a success story for 2015. Um, I, uh, gosh, that just pains me. <laughs> well, we know he wasn't going to win with money. <laughs> uh, no, that's for sure. So I, I want to sincerely thank you. I mean, on behalf of myself, the operational trainers, the accountants, tax specialists, bank rec specialists, the entire team, Blair, Les, um, Alan, myself, all of us, we are so grateful to have the opportunity to be a part of your success. We really sincerely. And, uh, and for everybody who is listening, um, the, 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 the takeaways here are, um, they really are rich. I mean, uh, you, you, you've lived it, you've experienced it, you're living it today. And, uh, and thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know what? Thank, thank, you, thank Matt. you, Matt. And I'm, we're looking forward to, you know, 2016. Here you go. So let's Woo-hoo! work, let's thank work you. on a second restaurant and, uh, making some friends and eating some great barbecue. All right. All right. And you all come over. Come That's, on. There come we on go. Business. There we go. <laughs> Well, for everyone, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us today. Uh, if you're ever in San Jose, remember Blue Rock Barbecue, get on it. And, uh, um, and if you have any questions about this or any of our other podcasts, uh, please check out the website or call your operational trainer at RSI. And uh, we'll be talking to you real soon.